1: We're Talking Real Money.
2: Hey, thank you for being part of Talking Real Money here every weekend live. And then, of course, as a podcast every almost every day, you can go to TalkingRealMoney.com. Sign up for the podcast there. It's available at every podcast service. Thanks to my partner, Don McDonald, who is taking a long overdue day off today. I'm Tom Koch. Thanks for joining me. Got a guest with us here in the studio. We'll talk to him in just a couple of minutes. But I first want to talk about this issue of returns because so many of you have a tendency to look at things rather short term. As we all do to some extent, like why isn't that making money or why hasn't that made money lately? And I know stocks, the globally diversified portfolios lost about 4% year to date. That's not a huge decrease, but bonds have had a tougher time. The, uh, you know, kind of the all world bond, if you will, the Vanguard total global pardon me, total bond index is down almost 9% year to date. And that oftentimes makes people think, I need to do something else. I got to look elsewhere, um, even mutual fund managers, active fund managers, their their average exposure to stocks is about 30% higher than it was a year ago because they're trying to figure out where to make money. And many of you, many of you are looking at those alternatives. It's, it, to me, it's always shocking the amount of money uh, alternative closed end funds at the end of uh, 2021, almost $100 billion. That's up about $50 billion from the year before. In other words, a doubling in things like the uh, stuff that makes me nervous private equity, private debt, hedge funds, non traded REITs, that's real estate investment trusts. Those are fashionable now. People are putting money in and they're paying on average 1.5% a year to be in those funds. These are illiquid. These are things that are not traded. These are things where you can't get your money when you might need it. And I don't know that this is going to help you. Uh, In fact, the track record is that it probably won't end up well. But you're putting money there because you feel like I haven't made money in other places. But into the future, who knows? There's many people. Our own planning software suggests that returns of stocks and bonds will be less over the next 25 or 30 years. There are other people that look at all of this that sort of say, yeah, the the reality is you're going to make less by being an an investor in stocks and bonds for a long period of time. Nobody knows, by the way. I don't care who's writing that. They do not know. But what can you do? Well, here are the things I think you can't. There's one easy one, especially if you're still working. You can save more and spend less. Hey, that's pretty easy. And it doesn't require knowing the future, right? Uh, Number two, I think avoiding sort of the illiquid things, the things that could get you into trouble. And those would include cryptocurrency that look like it's going to be great returns in the long haul, which nobody knows. You know, we're not believers in crypto. You could build a retirement plan that includes lower long-term returns, not just looking at historicals. I mentioned our planning software looks at the future and says it'll be less. They could be wrong, but wouldn't it be better to plan for less and make more? Sure. Here's a couple more for retirement. We already talked to someone today about their Social Security benefit. Wait longer to take it. Hold out as long as you can. It goes up every year after full retirement age by a full 8% a year plus inflation, which has been pretty dramatic lately. And just having that plan and then realizing that at some point in the future, some point in the future, you may have to be flexible. Your life may change. You may need more money. You may need less money, but you have to be willing to sort of roll with the punches a little bit. I've seen this a couple of times already in my family, where two of my siblings are basically retired and they didn't want to be, so they're starting to draw on their money earlier. They may have to get part time job. There's a whole raft of, th- and that's another one, obviously a part time job because if you're not on Medicare, those health expenses can really pile up, the, uh, really draw on your accounts a lot. So you could look at a part-time job, and there's still many major companies that will pay you health care benefits as well. So those are all things to think about as we perhaps look into a future where you've made less in stocks and bonds. Again, I would also caution that the minute somebody says, here's what the future is going to look like, don't trust them. I just finished the book, The Bond King, about Bill Gross, who said in 2009, I am all out of stocks and I'll never get back in them. Then about two years later, he said, yeah, stocks are a good idea. We really should be in stocks because they had gone up very dramatically coming out of the recession of 2008, 2009. And Mr. Gross knows the securities industry very, very well, but he was completely wrong. He doesn't know any more about the future than you do, frankly. And so, again, Use caution. Don't pay attention to people that say here's what the future has to look like. They don't know what it has to look like. Build a plan that maybe encourages a little bit of pessimism because it might make your future maybe not look as bright, but maybe be brighter. We'll come back with more 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255 as we continue talking real money.
1: Tom and Don are talking real money.
2: Set your
3: course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com.
1: Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Yeah,
2: thank you for joining us. You know, I used to do a program called Sound Investing, which is still around today. Sound Investing is still there, uh, yes. and Paul Merriman hosts it. How often do you, is that like weekly? Uh, weekly. Wow. So you're still doing the podcast, still doing all the writing at MarketWatch, still writing the books. The latest is, uh, we're talking millions, 12 simple ways to recharge your retirement. I just took a look at your website the other day. There's still a ton of information there, paulmerryman.com. And uh, of course, you're the recipient of the American Association of Individual Investors, James Clunan Award for Excellence in Investment Education. Thank you for joining us back here. We're going go to go the phones, but then we'll talk a little bit more about what I just spoke about. about Great. Not making mistakes. By the way, a lot of this turn if you don't make mistakes oftentimes (laughs) with your money, you don't have to hit the home run, but you just don't make mistakes, right? If you're defensive in many ways, that ends up being more beneficial than, than hitting a home run and really timing something right. So we'll talk a little bit about that and about how, frankly, all the messages from Wall Street are, yes, you need to do something and you need to do it now. But before we do that, let's go to the phones because Rob has patiently waited and now joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Rob.
4: Hi, thank you so much for taking my call, uh, and I've listened to listened and followed both of your advice for the last twenty years, and and because of that, we're in a position to be financially independent and retire. So I really appreciate wow. your help over the that's, years.
2: I was nervous um, there for a minute when he said that. I was hoping he wasn't waiting outside the studio or something. Like I'm, you gave you anyway. No, thank you, Rob. That's very that's, kind.
5: That's really that yeah. means a lot to us. It, it does. Really does indeed. Rob. It does.
4: Good. That's good. So. Uh, that's and that's my question. So I've spent all we've spent all our life accumulating, and now we're going to decumulate. And I've read some articles about bucket strategy versus uh, rebalancing, withdrawal and some things like that. So, in your opinion, what what is the best method or the process to decumulate? And It may not make that big a difference, uh, you know, one versus another. But just I like to hear some of your thoughts about that.
2: Yeah. Well, let, but let me ask you a question first: Is a predominant amount of your money in pre-tax, like IRAs? Post-tax, like Roth or taxable, or is it balanced between those? Uh, I have, we
4: have probably 20% in post-tax, but uh, maybe more than that. We probably have 40% in post-tax because some of it's in IRAs and some of it's just in cash investments. Uh, And then the rest of it, the the 60% or
2: so is uh, pre-tax. 401Ks and traditional IRAs. I mean, because that's the first decision, right? Sort of which part of the, you know, your plan says draw this first. In a general sense, and Paul can argue with me if he like, which he has for 30 plus years. uh, In a general sense, it's going to make sense to wait to take the pre-tax money kind of as long as you can, although you might want to look at Roth conversions, other things there that might reduce your tax bill later. You may have gotten some good news because the House of Representatives is... Uh, I think, voted almost unanimously the Secure Act 2.0 to push back the required minimum distribution date to age 75. By the way, the year it becomes 75 is the year I turn 75. I think they just love me or something. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so there might be some good news there. But here's the thing. So that would be the first decision. Then the next issue would be, again, for me, looking at exactly how much you need to draw, because then you're going to say, I'll take this much pre-tax, this much post-tax, figure that out. Then how to create the cash, which is, I think, what you're getting at. Now, in my world, it generally would be a rebalance. It would be what's gone up more, you're going to take more of that out, put the things that haven't done as well, sort of rebalance the account. That would be my... And and again, if I was looking at your portfolio, I might say you take out a half a year's worth of cash, or some people take out a year, depends on sort of where they are in all this. But what's your take on that, Paul, in terms of how to create cash in retirement?
5: Well, I think the big decision that uh, I think a lot of investors have is how much to take out. And there's the fixed strategies, and then there's the variable or flexible strategies. And Rob, if you're familiar with the, all of those tables that we have- that And there all, are a lot on the website. Let me God. tell you, I
2: went through them last couple of days, <laughs> so good for you.
5: They are there to help people yeah. make decisions. And, and so that is the- the big thing is But let's just stop
2: you right there. So you're talking about either a strategy where you have a fixed amount, you're saying I'll take out forty thousand dollars a year and I increase it every year for inflation. That's or, one way. Yep. Or saying, Yeah, well, if I have a good year, I'm taking out five percent of the portfolio value. I have a good year, you know, we're off to Hawaii. Have a bad year, we go to Wild Waves in Kent or something. <laughs> you know, something there's a difference there.
5: Well and 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 you have to have oversaved generally, in order to be able to use the flexible strategy. Okay, good. Good to hear. Uh, the people who are wanting to retire as soon as they possibly can oftentimes need to go the fixed strategy because they have not over But then as far as how to take the money out, my wife and I take the money out the first week of each year. That is not. The I know most... when to drop
2: by now. So good. Okay. <laughs> right. Good.
5: That is not the most efficient way to do it because, in theory, you're going to do better because the market generally goes up if you wait and did that on a monthly basis. That is too emotional for me. That's I... a lot of work too. Well, it's more work, yeah. but I start not wanting to take the money out. If the market is going down. I want to try to gone put down. that off. Gone has, down. Has gone down. Yeah, all right. And and so that's a compromise that we have made. I love the approach of a balanced portfolio. And like Tom said, first thing you do is where you're out of balance, you take that money first. And then uh, to the extent that you need to, you would take it equally out of the fixed income and the equity it means you have one account not many which a lot of bucket people have many yep. accounts and it allows the market which is you know going to go up and down and it and and it makes it makes life i think more more balanced in terms of giving you the cash flow that you need on the other hand a lot of people what they do is they use that kind of a strategy but they have 2 years worth of income sitting there that they are going to take the money out of the first year, and at the end of that year, they take money out of the pool, put it in there, so they have two years again. They never dip into that other part. It's there for some kind of a catastrophic Yeah, event. I mean,
2: here's my always my struggle. with. If you looked at my portfolio, it's all in stocks or bonds. I really don't have cash because even yeah. the few thousand dollars I have in cash I think right now is earning – 0.7 or something it's not making i mean and, and that's in a high yield savings account not even at bank of america where i know it's making 0.06 or something so that's the trade-off right so rob does that help because we're just about out of time here
4: no that's that's great and unfortunately we've we have oversaved. Bravo! Um, following your advice done really well so Really appreciate that discussion. Thank you. Thank have you. a great retirement.
2: Yeah, that's good for you, and that's that. We're happy to hear that. And by the way, when we come back, we'll talk about all the work you do with financial literacy because that award I mentioned in passing is a huge deal. You still have the website, as I said. You're still speaking. You're coming to retire meet. We will talk a little bit about what you're going to talk about at retire meet great. and all of the education work that you continue to do through the podcast, the website, all of those places that are filled with tons of great information that uh, should help any investor. We'll take your questions and calls as well 855-935-talk as we continue talking real money.
1: Tom and Don are talking real money.
3: A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at vestory.com V E S T O R Y.com.
1: For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money.
2: Welcome back to Talking Real Money. We'd love to hear from you. 855-935-TALK. That's 855-935-8255. My guest today, Paul Merriman, Don McDonald on vacation. I mentioned in passing that great award you got from AAI. But here's the thing. You still go out on the road and talk to people who are very kindly showing up at Retire Meet 2022, which is coming up Saturday, May 14th. Yes, you can do it online, but it's going to be way more interesting, I think, to come and see everybody because we haven't seen you. We haven't seen a lot of the speakers in a couple of years due to COVID. So get online, sign up for RetireMeet. Uh, RetireMeet coming up, as I said, the 14th of May. It's still relatively inexpensive. What in the world are you going to be telling people that day?
5: Well, I've got a half an hour. Thank you very
2: much. (laughs) I know you're (laughs) so mad about that. The introduction will go 30 seconds. How about that? That's it. Good. I like that.
5: I figured. I want to talk about small cap value. I want to show people information that they probably haven't seen before because a lot of it we've never shown before and how to put small cap value, even if it's only a very small part of your portfolio even 10% can make a real difference over a And we know
2: plan. we know most people don't own it. I know. I mean, I look at most portfolios, either they don't own it in their 401k or they've self-managed and just been, yeah. well, I'm just in the S&P 500 and then in bonds. You're missing out on some, well, what has been pretty big returns, right? Well,
5: it's not only the big returns, but the fact is when you combine it with the S&P 500, the risk goes down. Because
2: these are not going up and down together. That
5: is exactly right. And in fact, if you looked, ah, I'm not going to get into the speech. I'm sorry. Oh, almost, if you I look. almost oh, okay. looked. All but right. I'll tell you what, I, I, driving over here this morning on yeah. the ferry, I'm thinking about how good you have been for our work. Because all we want to do is educate people. We're not advisors. Yep. We're not selling anything. It's all just education. I am going to bring a box books.
2: Oh, I was hoping it was uh, money.
5: <laughs> well, it, it, it is money. money. <laughs> All right, I knew that was coming. It's money in the future. You're going to give away. Man. I
2: mean, which is very kind. You're going to give away a copy of your your book, the 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 twelve step program. No, I'm kidding. The uh, twelve simple ways to supercharge your retirement.
5: Every one of those. Wow. A million dollar decision. Yeah, they're particularly big. for younger people, obviously. So but you even, could either.
2: So people who are retired could either read it and take the lessons, or they could give it to a younger person who could.
5: Wouldn't that be wonderful? Be
2: huge. So you're going to give away a copy to everyone there. Okay, before we. Well, I'm, wait a minute. I'll squeeze we, one thing in here. Go ahead. Could we make it one copy for a couple? Yeah, we'll one one copy Thank for a couple you. because that's a big big box for you to carry <laughs> at your advancing years. Uh, but before we get to the bottom of the hour, and uh, we. We wanted to touch on this because you you brought it up a couple of days ago that that financial literacy I mean part of the reason we do the class we do the show we do all these things is we're trying to help you make better money decisions but the reality is when we look at these surveys the people still aren't most people aren't getting it they don't make they're making lousy decisions because they're on they're not educated about all this
5: 28 questions given to about 3500 people adults and only half of them we're able to do answer more than half of the questions right. Can you give me one question? Oh, no, don't, because if I get it you, wrong, that'll you, be bad. You know what? <laughs> Donald, throw me I've off the I've taken show. the test, <laughs> yeah. and it is—you uh, talk about the problems that people have financially. You know, you mentioned homeless people. Yeah. I'm not saying that if they took—they got financially literacy, sure. uh, financial literacy in high school, it would have changed their life. But I will tell you that all of the studies show that people who get that education— make better decisions. They don't make perfect decisions no. because money is a, an emotional uh, aspect of our very emotional yep. aspect. Indeed of our it life. is. So, Indeed.
2: So the the survey found that people really have, of all ranges though are,
5: 20 23% answered right 7 out of the 28 questions.
2: Wow. That's
5: And the big shocking. problem is the questions that have been to do with risk. They just don't get it. And that is why the work that you're doing and Don is doing and what we're trying to do, this should be life-changing if we're doing it right.
2: Well, we just heard from, from Rob a couple minutes ago, said that, yeah, I mean, he he, he got the message 25, 30 years ago. had been following that and doing a good job. So. I'll bet
5: you five bucks he's an engineer.
2: It sounded like it, didn't it? oversaver well, it did, kind of did have right. that ring yeah
5: and 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 looking at the evidence rather than the excitement
2: yeah which is exactly what you want to do we'll come back with more of your uh, your calls your questions and talk with the author podcaster speaker the guy that you really should listen to Paul Merriman here on Talking Real Money 855-935 talk 855-935 8255 as we continue talking Real Money
1: Tom and Don are talking real
3: money. Tom and I created Vestry to help everyone become a better investor, even those who will never be clients. Let one of our advisors help you start your financial plan or solve a money problem free with no obligation or high-pressure sales pitch at vestry.com. Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com.
1: We're talking real money.
2: Thank you for joining us here on Talking Real Money, at live every Saturday to help you deal with uh, what can be a troublesome topic. Uh, Paul just mentioned that uh, that still education around all this. And Maybe we'll, hopefully we get a little time to talk about all the work that you've done, both uh, through speaking to adults but speaking to younger people about their money at uh, Western Washington University, etc., our, our financial literacy is poor. It's not getting better, and that is that is a huge problem, I think, into the future. Not that it's not a huge problem today, but maybe we'll see if we get time to get back into that here in a minute, Paul. But first, let's go back to the telephones, 855-935-8255. Alex joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Alex. Hello, and thanks for taking my call. A question about ETFs. Uh, I know
4: that you guys are recommending ETFs for tax reasons. And I'm wondering if it's um, okay to, to use ETFs also in uh, 401k or tax-deferred account, or it's only for uh, taxable accounts.
2: That's a great question. An exchange-traded fund is mutual fund-like in that it holds a basket of securities, whether that basket be stocks or bonds. So they're very similar. The difference is sort of the warehouse that exchange-traded funds holds them in allows them inside the fund to sort of hand them off to somebody else, not have to sell them they would in a mutual fund and create perhaps a capital gain. That's the biggest difference. The the, the platform of exchange-traded funds, I think, is very good generally. By the way, there's a lot of actively managed crummy ETFs, the same as they are mutual funds. But to use them in a pre-tax portfolio, sure, because they're going to have low cost if you get the right ones. They're going to be diversified if you get the right ones. So, yeah, using, again, the, I just think a greater advantage accrues in a taxable account because of that tax benefit that the mutual funds do not have. But what's your take, Paul?
5: Well, in a tax-deferred account, there is a, an advantage uh, to the mutual fund. The disadvantage is you can only trade it at the end of the day. Correct. The advantage is you can only trade it at the end of the there day. There you go. Thank you. That's what and, John Bogle always said. I hate these things well, that people
2: who can buy and sell them all day long. Yeah. And
5: the price you get yeah. is not, uh, there's no spread between the bid and ask. Good You point. get one price, the same price, whether you're a buyer or a
2: seller. Different than so, an exchange-traded fund. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. And if you buy and sell
5: at the wrong time of the yeah. day with an exchange-traded fund, you can actually be taken a Taken advantage of, you can't be taken advantage of theoretically uh, with a, just a regular mutual fund. So, for old timers, I don't know about you, Alex. I'm he seven, sounds young. I'm don't seven, say it. I'm seventy-eight. <laughs> okay, and I'll tell you, I'm am more comfortable with the mutual oh, funds, but I do have lots of ETFs in my portfolios because. Th- because I don't manage my own money. Somebody yeah. manages it for me. I'm one of these people that yeah. I don't want to do that. I I have a life to live and you
2: want someone standing between you and your money.
5: Well in and, some ways. Well exactly. Yeah. I and mean, it's like operating a doctor operating yeah. on a family member. I would spend too much time worried. I don't mm-hmm. want to worry about stuff. But the bottom line is is that mutual fund for most people who rarely are going to make transactions, and you're a buy and holder, right, Alex?
2: Yes. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. So, he so, had to think about it, apparently. <laughs> or he was trading, and then he thought, oh, I better stop trading now. I hope well, that helps, anyway, Alex, does yeah. it?
5: Yeah. Good luck to you, Alex.
4: Yes, thanks. There was also a concern yeah. that people can use ETFs to, to do daily training, and that would force the, the fund to sell, and that would make the performances worse. Is that still a concern with ETFs? Or it, has really been, it was
2: certainly of mine at the beginning. I think we see less of that sort of uh, error between what the index shows and what the how the exchange traded fund performs yeah but, I mean, Paul, what, what's your take
5: here's what you can do alex you can take a look at uh, the uh, vti uh at the end of the year and compare it oh to, good point to the P or the total market yeah. index at at vanguard and see how much difference there is in the total return the year that that one year return that'll tell you what the impact is of the difference of the way they manage the portfolios.
2: Thank you for your call, Alex. Our phone number is 855 935 talking You know, we're gonna come up, we're gonna I'm gonna ask you for your your solution to the uh, the poor financial literacy that America sort of has. And does doesn't seem to get a whole lot better. So we'll take that up and your questions and calls again 855 935 8255 as we're talking real money
1: tom and don are talking real money
3: want a free copy of my book financial physics we'll go download it right now at vestory.com v-e-s-t-o-r-y.com
1: your guides
2: to a really great financial future
1: tom and don are talking real money
2: Uh, with easter coming up this has been a very egg-citing show no okay that was bad i get it they never get better (laughs) i know that's the thing and i don't have don here to pick on because he's more brutal than you are because you're just a nicer person i think than he is so that goes without saying 855-935-8255 okay so before we go back to the the phones what can we do? to the, I, I know you're doing it. I, I'd like to think I'm doing it in a little tiny, tiny, tiny part of the world. Yours is a lot bigger than mine. But what can we do to help America be more financially literate? Let's put it that way.
5: Well, let's start at as as early a, a age as we can yeah. to start teaching. Right now, there is a movement afoot. A man by the name of Tim Ranzetta, Tim Ranzetta from Next Generation Personal Finance, is working on getting— Along with a lot of other people, by the way. Sure. Six months, a semester of personal finance guaranteed, or let's call it required, to graduate from high school.
2: Uh, the, the stock picking contest.
5: Well, b- very little of that uh, anymore. Very yeah, little of okay. it. Um, I'm, it's, it's changing. He doesn't focus on that at all. Okay. His curriculum is terrific and it's free. And... So, get it into
2: the high schools is what you're yeah, saying. In 2018,
5: right. one in six students nationally had that. It's now one in three students. So, we start there. I'm working at Western Washington University. Yes, you I've are. been sponsoring a class there since 2013. I'll be up there next month, uh, next month teaching two hours to the class, and then I'm going to speak an hour and a half to the graduating seniors.
2: Wow, good for you. I, and by the way, I think that's the, in my mind, that's the place, because it's there right. you're finished with college, you're getting ready to head out into the world. What are those five, ten things you've got to know yep. to get it right for the future? By the way, one of them, to me, it's a no-brainer. First job, 15% of the salary goes into a retirement go. plan, and the rest of your—because if you do that from age 23 and do it Home right, it, it, it's over. You're, you're in good shape. So anyway, thank you, Paul, for that. Let's go back to the telephones, and Sarah joins us here on Talking Real Money. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good.
4: Um, I had a question about capital gains taxes.
2: Yes, ma'am.
4: So um, I have a a rental property that we're actually renting to family, and we're not making any money off of it each month. And, um, you know, with the housing market the way it is, um, it's looking like if I were to sell that rental property, I would make about $190,000. And I'm wondering... If I take that profit and use it to pay off my primary residence, do I still have to pay capital gains taxes, or is there a different place I should put it?
2: That uh, the, well, the, the, the fact of the matter is if you sell something and you have a gain of that amount, you're going to pay tax on it, capital gains tax. If you took it and did what they call a 1031 exchange, a like property exchange of some kind. You could avoid it that way. But but otherwise, yes, you're going to pay capital gains tax. And by the way, what's the interest rate on your home loan? Um, It's about 2.1%. I think you'd be making a tragic error to pay down your home loan at 2 point whatever whatever percent. My take would be with that $190,000, to invest that in a way for growth for the future because that two 2.1, it's so cheap of money. I hate to see people pay that down. What's your take, Paul?
5: Well, I'm not a financial planner. I'm an investment guy. And so I, I would look at it probably differently than okay. you might. Uh, and, and first of all, she's getting out of this, a, a business that she found out wasn't as profitable and as easy as she thought it was going to be, I think. I'm, I'm guessing yep. here. The other part is how much risk tolerance that you you have. And if you have low risk tolerance, if you're going to put it in something else that when it goes down, I mean, a lot of people now are questioning, gee, should I have gotten into the market? Because the market is down 5% or 10%. Yeah,
2: depending. And
5: and so, you know, the, the... Big decision is to find out who you really are as an, an investor. I think before you decide whether to tie that money up, because you're going to tie it up if you pay off your uh, pay off your mortgage. But but a financial planner, I'm not. Yeah, that's, that's what you. Yeah, do, th- my that's friend. a
2: fair. That's a fair point. And by the way, the only other way I know to avoid capital gains, there are things like opportunity zones and other investment. You could take some of that money and invest it. In. I don't favor those things. For a variety of reasons, the liquidity and the length you have to keep the money in there to avoid. So, I mean, to me, it, it those always feel like the, the 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 tax tail wagging the dog, if you will. In other words, you're doing someplace simply to avoid taxes. Um, you made two hundred thousand dollars, pay the tax on it. Depending on your tax rate, it's going to be fifteen percent, which is pretty still pretty low. Looking by you know, uh, looking back over time, how high taxes have been. So I would pay the tax and get on with my life. I hope that helps.
0: Yes, thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Uh, Paul, quick question for you before we run out of time. I know <laughs> I, this is, it, it came up in both of our lives here recently because you just did an interview with the author uh, of a book called Sustainable Investing. I read the same book last week on vacation. And, uh, you know, it shocks me that when you read these numbers, according to Larry Suedro, that a third of the money managed today is managed to environment, social or governance standards, if you will. But what's your take on ESG investing after talking to the author, Larry Suedro?
5: Well, and I read the book, too, and I loved it. I thought it was – it's it's deep. I mean, he, he always – You
2: would love that book because it has like 18,000 studies in it well, with all it these has numbers. Well, evidence. Wow. It okay, has there evidence. you go.
5: But here's the evidence. And and I just interviewed Larry Yeah. Uh, and and had a, a podcast. I'm going to watch
2: it before I do it so I know what to ask him.
5: On, next week. Okay. You can see it on our website. But but here's – the bottom line is, is that you can be investing in companies that are likely – Inside of a mutual fund in a mm-hmm. mutual fund format or an ETF format, and expect to get basically about about the same return. But as he you says would. sin
2: stocks have made more over the long haul than the rest of it.
5: But things, things, well, over the long haul, that is correct. Yeah. But remember that those ESG and, and socially responsible funds, they used to be very expensive.
2: That's a good point.
5: They are now very inexpensive. you got to buy them right. I mean, yep. that's why you should read his book. And he even
2: has the funds in the book. He does. Yeah. And, and by
5: the way, you buy that book and you read it. All you have to do, his email is right there. You yeah, got a I know. Question? He puts his
2: email. I know. He answers and he does. every I know. email. It's. I think it's called sustainable investing. Larry yes. Suedro, S-W-E-D-R-O-E. He's been a friend of Paul's and myself for 30 years. Yeah. So, and we admire his work, and he's written 20 books. More one than the, you have actually, that gives you something to look look abs- forward to. I abs- guess.
5: My job is cooking them. His is writing them. No, I'm kidding. The, the, but the bottom line is, he's one of the smartest people I think in our industry.
2: Oh, I think he very much is. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that I think you should pay attention to. So, would you? Do you think people should be using ESG strategies then? Here's
5: what I like: if you have investments in these ESG. Uh, funds like socially responsible yep. funds, and they're going to get the same
2: return. And you're doing good. And
5: you're and, and you and you feel good about it you will be more likely to stay the course. And it's one of the point. things when I hear these people on the phone sometimes talking about jumping out of this and jumping into that, that's what Wall Street wants. They want you to keep jumping. As many hoops as you'll jump. That's because t- they're making money every time you take that every leap. Every time. Yeah, it's a good point. So if it helps you stay the course because you're invested in things you really feel good about, that's great.
2: And I want you to take advantage. of uh, Come and see Paul. You can see the passion. The love of all of this. Uh, May 14th in Bellevue for Retire Meat 2022. You can get tickets right now. Go to his website, paulmerriman.com, for more of the goodies. Paul, thank you very much for being part of Talking Real Money, and we'll be right back in just a moment.
1: Tom and Don are talking real
2: money.
3: Is your portfolio a mess? You may have a case of hodgepodgeitis. But don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at vestory.com. No sales pitch guaranteed. That's V E S T O R Y.com.
1: <laughs> For your real
2: life and real future, Tom and Don are talking
1: real money.
2: Saturday, May 14th, you're going to hear from all kinds of great experts. You just heard from Paul Merriman, Herb Weisbaum, myself, Don McDonald, many, many others on housing. Uh, Medicare, Social Security, planning for retirement. We want you to get it right. So come out and see us. Get your tickets now. It's a great event. You'll love seeing all these people in person for the first time in so long. And it's easy to do, easy to go online and purchase those tickets. Go to retiremeet, That's retire, M-E-E-T, dot com
0: public service by appellate capital a fee-only registered investment advisor thanks for listening and please visit talkingrealmoney.com for more information and disclosures to keep the lawyers happy